0: Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. I brought a little friend with me today, not for the obvious reasons, uh, but because there's a picture, if you can see it, of John Knox, one of the reformers of in the Reformed Church, the Presbyterian Church. And the Presbyterian Historical Society does something where each year they they honor another part of the Reformation on Reformation Day, which is October 31st today. And so years ago, he was the guy. And there are fun facts on the back in case anyone wants to know later. Also, um, that's why we have our friend Luther in the bulletin. I mean, they're sort of made for a Halloween Sunday, aren't they? (laughs) Together, can you see them both? Um, Very austere, uh, very important, and we remember our heritage well this day. Speaking of of Scotland, um, there is a tradition, uh, by the way, I'm going to be talking a lot about doors today, and if that seems puzzling to you, I I don't blame you, Um, but I really admire this poet, Billy Collins, who talks about when he writes a poem about big things, he starts with a very small image as a point of reference. Uh, And often that's how I approach sermons as well. I start with something small when I'm really talking about something bigger. So although you'll hear about doors, I also want you to hear the tones of salvation and reformation and liminality from that root word for threshold, which is limin, liminality, a threshold or a doorway. So back to Scotland. In Scotland and northern England, whoever first crosses the threshold of the home after midnight on New Year's Eve is the person who brings in the year for you and your house. And that person is called the first footer. I don't know if there's any other... I see maybe a couple nods of people who know this tradition. And so springing from that ancient tradition... There is a prayer by Celtic Christians where you invite the first footer to be Jesus, to enter your door first at the new year. And so this one from the Northumbria community goes like this. This day is a new day that has never been before. This year is a new year, the opening door. Enter Lord Christ, we have joy in your coming. You have given us life and we welcome your coming I turn now to face you. I lift up my eyes. Be blessing my face, Lord. Be blessing my eyes. May all my eye looks on be blessed and be bright. My neighbors, my loved ones, be blessed in your sight. You have given us life, and we welcome your coming. Be with us, Lord. We have joy. We have joy. This new year is an opening door, and we have joy. We have joy. So in our house, we say that prayer on New Year's, we literally open the door, and we symbolize with that our openness to life with Christ and whatever the new year brings, which some years seems like a lot more than we can handle, and I wish we hadn't quite opened that door so broadly, but imagining Christ as the first footer is something we can all do in each of our households, whether it's New Year's or not as Christ, the one who goes before you. In Hebrews, it says the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. He goes before us. We are not alone. Well, it turns out there are many religious traditions that involve doors or doorways. You can probably name a couple in your own mind. One of the oldest ones is the Roman god of doorways, which is Janus, the two-headed Janus, who looks behind and looks into the future, past and future, from which we get the month January. Janus was the god of beginnings, endings, time, doorways, passages, transitions, duality, and time. Even older still, though, are the traditions that come from Judaism that are rich with the imagery of doors and doorposts, Rabbi Julie Hilton interprets that symbolism when she says, At the first Passover, we marked our doorposts with the blood of the sacrificial lamb to protect us from the angel of death. And although that was a one-time ritual, doors continue to be a central symbol It seems more relevant now, she says, than ever in an age where nativism and xenophobia clash with timeless Jewish values of loving and of welcoming the stranger. She says, we begin the Passover Seder, and if you've ever been to one, you've heard this, by issuing an invitation to the hungry and needy to join us in the bounty of the holiday, modeling ourselves on the actions of Rav Huna, who opened his doors at every meal and called All who are hungry, let them come and eat. Near the end of the Seder, we open our doors again for Elijah, the prophet, the one who foretells salvation. Even when the present is filled with danger and oppression, we maintain our hope and faith, striving for a better future as symbolized by Elijah and the vision of next year in Jerusalem." He says we can almost hear the hinges creaking as we take in the message to open doors for others by teaching and seeking justice in our world. Throughout the ages, Jews have also embodied the words of a prayer called the Shema, which was read this morning from Deuteronomy, not only through speaking and singing and praying and chanting, But by literally fixing these words on the doorposts of their home, you've maybe seen them on the doorposts of Jewish homes in a mezuzah, a little box on the side, and sometimes they will touch it on the way in and the way out as a reminder of this most important commandment, the one that we heard today. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. It's called the Shema because that's the Hebrew word for hear. So when Moses says, hear, O Israel, it's Shema, O Israel. You shall love the Lord your God. Keep these words I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them. When you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you Rise, bind them as a sign upon your hand, fix them as an emblem upon your forehead, and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. How do we allow ourselves to be shaped by this greatest commandment? This commandment that was so important that when Jesus was asked in the Gospels, What is the greatest commandment? this is what he quoted. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength. And he added from Leviticus 19, to love your neighbor as yourself. So, how does God's word move from our heads to our hearts, from our hearts to our lips, and from our lips to our hands out into the world? Thinking about doors this week, I remembered my freshman year in college. I'm sure I was studying really hard at the time. Nevertheless, I was distracted by a knock on the door. And I opened it to see this really friendly, smiley young girl student who handed me a pamphlet right off the bat. She was there from Campus Crusade for Christ, and this was the evangelism method at the time in the 80s. In one of the most intense opening questions I've ever experienced, in a conversation, she said to me, if you were to die tomorrow, how certain are you you would go to heaven? And I said, well, I grew up Methodist, so maybe 70%? (laughs) I think, like, that's good, right? You know, I'd answer that question differently today. I'd talk about God's grace and Jesus and all the things, but I wish my 18-year-old self would have asked her in for my beverage of choice at the time, a Diet Coke, and a conversation instead of shutting the door on her quickly. I still feel guilty about it almost 30 years later because that doorway conversation, as odd as it was, did something for me. And a couple months later, I found myself wandering into the local Methodist church on campus. I can't say especially that it was her question. It may have been the home-baked cookies that they delivered to the doors of the students every week. I mean, it was such a great evangelism method. And they invited us to church, and when she showed up, they asked you to do stuff. All of that worked, because I seriously began to consider, what does it mean to love the Lord with all my heart, mind, and soul, and strength? What does it mean right here, on campus, right now? And what does it mean to love my neighbor as myself? And I'm still trying to figure it out. One of my favorite Christian contemplative voices lately is John O'Donohue, the Irish priest, and I don't know if some of you know him. He has quite a different way of approaching doors than my freshman friend. He says this, when you visit someone at home, the door into the house is rich with the textures of presence from all the welcomes and valedictions that have occurred on that threshold. The doorway is a liminal place, where we are suspended between two worlds. Coming into presence, we slowly shed our self-consciousness, sharing our thoughts and passions with beloved friends, for a moment exposing the vulnerable core of the human heart. Then there is that moment of leave-taking, when we re-enter our own solitude. Yet we carry the conversation and the storytelling with us as a kind of blessing. And we treasure this memory formed by the cadence of human speech, the recollection of shared warmth. In everyone's inner solitude, there is that bright and warm hearth. And I've seen that in some of you. I mean, I don't mean I've not seen it in others of you, but in the ones of you in which we've had these conversations. You know, two years ago, I would have thought I've been through a lot more doors than I have been. But this pandemic has really limited for the pastoral role the amount of time we've been able to spend in your homes, crossing your doorways. And that's something I deeply regret. Nevertheless, for the times I have been there, I will always treasure that dynamic that O'Donohue talks about, that slow shedding of self-consciousness in the conversation, the sharing of thoughts and of prayers. And I hope, as a congregation, you continue to open your doors to each other and to listen intently and courageously and openly, because to really listen is risky. To listen might require change or reformation. One of the classic marks of the Reformation is the priesthood of all believers, and that means that Christ has given each of us the gifts to bear the presence of God to one another. You do that. We do that together. We don't need an intermediary to do that. We do that for one another through the Spirit of the living God at work within us. Today is Reformation Sunday, as I mentioned, and it's this time for Presbyterians and all Reformed Christians to reclaim that motto of the Reformation, Ecclesia Reformata, Semper Reformanda, the church reformed and always reforming according to the word of God. And that comes from that day in 1517, on October 31st, when a Catholic priest named Martin Luther had had enough. When this humble priest was concerned about problems within the church, about people giving their last dimes for indulgences, about paying for the things of the Spirit, and he nailed these 95 ideas for discussion, let us call them, on the door of a church in Wittenberg, Germany. And he wanted to foster conversation about ways to improve the church he loved and to stick up for his fellow Christians, subject to oppressive penance and this indulgence thing, and it didn't go so well for Luther. The printing press had just been invented, so his words spread these 95 theses all over Germany, and later he said if he knew how popular they would be, he would have made them easier to understand. That's absolutely true. You can barely understand what he's talking about in some of them, but the point is he wanted God to reform the church that he loved. And he wanted the people to have access to the things of the Spirit, to be able to read the Bible in their own language, to know that God loved them, to be able to gather and worship together. So I think when we, when we think about Luther and the, the heritage that we stand in, we also think about how the Reformation didn't happen in a day. It was part of a far larger movement of change, not only in the church, but politically and intellectually, and there are big connections to what is happening now. It was Phyllis Tickle who said every 500 years or so, the church has a giant garage sale, puts everything out on the the curb, and all this change comes about, and there are many who say we're living in such a time that now is this time where we're going through so much change that we are literally standing on the doorway of something and we don't know what it is, but that it is a liminal time. Who and what will we be when the dust settles from our divisiveness and our anger and hostility and our fear of the other? Who and what will we be? What doorway are we going to step through? What doorway are we going to open for others? In Deuteronomy, God told the people and us to, to keep God's words in their hearts. And that's really hard, especially, I think, for Presbyterians who are so heady and intellectual, to get God's word to travel from your head into your heart. And sometimes it takes memorizing, as I know some of you do, Psalm 23, some of the gospel passages. Sometimes it takes actually reading on a daily basis a few verses so you can get it in your mind and heart. This isn't easy even when you've been a student of scripture for a long time. Moses also told them they were to recite God's word to their children and talk about God's word all the time and everywhere. And I'm thankful for the heritage here at Fairmount for the online Christian education that is happening at 10 a.m. every Sunday morning, for the children who are able to participate in worship and someday more fully And we're thankful that the church has always had that as a ministry. Because sometimes we're a little too hesitant to talk about our faith, aren't we? We're worried we don't know enough. We're worried we don't have things memorized. We're worried somebody will ask us something that we don't know the answer to. But the faith is supposed to be talked about. And the Bible is a conversation starter, not a conversation ender. When we look at it and we open it, we ask the questions. We have the conversation. We listen to each other, and we stand in this liminal place where we wonder, what is God calling me to do? In the last book of the Bible, Revelation, John envisions the risen Jesus speaking to the churches of his time, and he has all sorts of messages for them, but he has this really great invitation from Jesus, and it's depicted in the classic picture in the front of your bulletin. But he has Jesus saying, listen, listen. I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. That is such a beautiful invitation to the life of faith. So tonight is All Hallows' Eve. And some of us will have costumed little ones knocking at our doors. Some may be taking little ones. I love this tradition. I look forward to it every year, especially now that I don't have to create costumes and moderate candy wars between four brothers. That was no picnic. But I'd like to suggest that there are even more essential doors for you to consider opening in your life. That God may be calling you to open the doors of your home when it's safe to do so, or to cross the threshold of another home to bring a word of hope and healing. Or that God may be calling you to open the doors of your memories to pay attention to God's faithfulness even when you have been severely challenged. Or that God may be calling some of you with the passion of a reformer to write and protest and take action and make good trouble. Or it could be, upon reflection, that you realize maybe you never have accepted the gracious invitation of Jesus the Christ knocking on the door of your heart. And to you, I would say, open the door, even just a crack, to the all-encompassing love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ because your life will never be the same. On this Reformation Sunday, as we think about doors and doorways and life-changing moments, we celebrate our faith. We feel the joy of having our faith move from our head to our hearts, from our hearts to our lips, and from our hands out into the world. Jesus died to save. May God's word continue to form and reform in us today and tomorrow and always. May God bless your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. Amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.